Good morning. I want to remind you that we do have some things coming up. Um, we got a Christmas party for uh, our church in the community on the 10th. And uh, if you haven't noticed yet in the lobby, uh, we're doing something new that Heather George has organized, uh, a giving tree for um, children in our community. Uh, she's collected some of the some ideas for presents that would bless some children in our community. And there's these little gnome ornaments you can check out that will give you the information. That'll be announced later, but I just want to make sure that that is on your mind. Uh, we're starting a new series this week. Uh, as Don mentioned, Chris isn't here, so I'm kicking things off. It's going to carry us through December, and Chris has tiled, titled it, To Us a Child or a Son is Given, which comes from uh, Isaiah chapter 9, which uh, Boston just read. And of course, you know, we're always about celebrating Jesus here all year long, but I appreciate how we're taking the time this season to especially focus on the arrival of Jesus into the world. Uh, you know, the, the Israelites had um, special seasons and festivals that uh, the purpose of them were to call them to remember something that God has done. And I think it's good that we do uh, the same as well. So whatever you uh, call this season, Christmas, or you know, some people refer to it as Advent, we're celebrating the truth that Jesus Christ was born, that uh, the birth of Christ reminds us that God came into the world through Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, and it reminds us that Christ will return as well to bring heaven and earth together. So our prayer as a, as a staff um, during the last couple weeks and, and through, this, uh, through this month is that this will be an intentional time for you and your families to remember that God has given us the greatest gift of all through his son, Jesus Christ. And that's what this series hopes to accomplish in, in our time of of worship as well. So let's focus uh, on that this month. Um, speaking of gifts, this is certainly also a time where we focus on expressing our love to one another through generosity and gift giving. Um, I don't know about you and your family, but one thing that our family does is uh, we do this um, secret Santa kind of a thing where you you know, you get a name and no one knows who you have and, you know, the person that you're supposed to get a gift for, they're not supposed to know, of course. Some people in our family work really hard to divulge that information or, or discern that information. Um, but I, I've noticed that in, in our relationships, um, especially, like, if you're married, there's often the one person who's really good at coming up with ideas for gifts and is very thoughtful. And then there's the other person who struggles a little bit more to find out what that person, what to get that other person. Um, and so, you know, we do this, this secret Santa thing where, um, you know, it's a nice way to save a little money so you don't have to buy 50,000 presents over Christmas, but you just buy the one. 
and they make a little list, and you know you can pick something off the list or get some ideas. Um, but sometimes it's hard to know what to get someone. You know, if you don't know the person very well, or you don't know their interests, or maybe you haven't been paying very close attention at all the hints they've been dropping for the past six months. You know, it can be difficult to know what that person wants, and so. We, we sometimes do these little lists of, here's some things that I'd like. Of course, I'm in charge of organizing the secret Santa. So if I get someone that I didn't want to get, you know, because I think that'll be hard, then I can just change it and no one will ever know. <laughs> so I can use that in my favor, which is nice. Perhaps you can remember a time when you received a gift that made you feel so loved because it showed that the person knew you, was thinking about you, and perhaps even sacrificed something so that you could enjoy that generosity. Um, for me, I can think of several things, you know, growing up, um, but one in particular would have to be the Nintendo 64 Donkey Kong edition. It was green, like a special color, it was like translucent green, and it came with Donkey Kong 64 and two controllers. And, man, like that was just like the greatest gift I could ever receive. I can't remember if I got that for Christmas or my birthday. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but the point is, man, I, I played that game over and over for hours. And uh, I just remember, you know, Getting a gift that big when you're a kid, it's like, wow, this is huge. And so, you know, sometimes I think we can look back and remember that time when you received something, um, whether it was for Christmas or your birthday or just out of the blue, that really made you feel loved. You know, giving the right gift, like I said, it, it can be difficult. In our humanness, I think sometimes we ask the wrong questions questions like how much should I spend on this person are they like a $20 kind of a person a $50 you know will they even like my gift or is it just a waste of money what will they think of me if I give them this gift but thankfully God knows us God knows us as well as anyone could ever know anyone he knows what we need and he's given us the best gifts. Uh, you know, the Bible talks about a lot of things. Um, can we just advance? I might, my clicker might be dead. I don't know. Advance to the next slide, please. Next one. Thank you. Uh, there's lots of things listed in the Bible that, that God has, has given us. And these are just a, a few things. But it's, it's interesting to note when, when that specific verb is used, that God gave. You know, that God gave. He gave us grace, says in James 4. Uh, of course, he gave us salvation, and that, that can come in a lot of different forms, you know, ultimately through Christ, but there's many different um, ways we experience God's salvation. Um, it says every good thing um, in Matthew, uh, oh, I believe, uh, chapter 6, uh, or no, 7. I cut that off there. Uh, in James, it talks about that God gives us wisdom. All we have to do is ask, and he will give it to us generously. Um, and he's given us life. There's so many things that God has given to us. And, of course, we can think about this on a personal level, too. You know, um, 
I can think of, of many things that, that God has given me and my family, whether it be um, health or material blessings. Um, and sometimes God gives us those things through other people, even. Um, think about the blessings of, of a family and, and even a child. You know, Many of you who have been here for a couple years know that uh, for Rebecca and I, it was difficult to have a child. And so when Hannah was finally born, that was such a blessing. It was such a blessing from God. And the gift of a child has been so precious to Rebecca and I, especially when we thought it may not be possible for us. It may not be um, in, in God's plan for us. I think it was uh, Terry who talked about this a week or two ago, about the idea of, of giving up a child when he was um, helping us reflect on, on the Lord's Supper. And, you know, this... This, of course, has taken on a new understanding for me now that I'm uh, a parent and, and learning to be a father. Um, there's really not a single person in this room or anywhere uh, for whom I would willingly give up Hannah. You know, I'm sorry, none of you are that important to me, if I'm being honest, you know. And yet, God did this. This is what we read about in Scripture, and um, you know that that Boston read for us, and over and over, Scripture reminds us that God gave, that God gave willingly, that Jesus went willingly, that He saw us as worthy to give this gift, that Jesus left heaven willingly to become flesh, as John puts it. To live that human experience that ultimately ends, not just in any kind of death, but death on a cross. And so this is a season where we celebrate and we, and we focus intentionally on that reality that God has given us the greatest gift we could ever receive. Jesus Christ, his son. And about 700 years before God gave this gift, before Jesus came into the world... The prophet Isaiah wrote about him. Uh, it's in the next slide. Okay. Um, this is, of course, what Boston read here in, in Isaiah 6. For, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, uh, you, know, you can notice the words that I've, I've underlined here to just kind of drive home that emphasis that, that he was promised to be given uh, to us or to the people of Israel. Now, I think it's unlikely that even Isaiah could have understood how great a gift this son would be. Um, but he knew that this son would be a gift uh, to God's people, that he was given to us, as he writes. And this was God's promise to the Israelites at a time in their lives where they really needed a break. They needed hope and they needed a promise like this. Isaiah speaks of the judgment of God and yet also the future hope of his people. Things might be dark for a while, but light is just around the corner. They were expecting a son to be given who would lead Israel um, but who could ever know 
that they would receive the Son of God himself in, in the way that they did. And so for the rest of the series in the following weeks, uh, Chris is going to unpack um, the way in which Jesus is a gift through these different titles, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But for this week, I want us to turn to John chapter 3. Um, you can turn there now, where we'll look at what is probably, you know, one of the most well-known passages in Scripture, um, or at least the, the most well-known verse, whether you're a Christian or not. A lot of people in the world have heard this verse. Um, because here, Christ is described as being given again, like it says in Isaiah, by the Father. And it also says why. Why was Jesus given? For what purpose? John 3.16 summarizes this, but I want us to, to start up in verse 10. So read this along with me. You are Israel's teacher, Jesus said. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus is uh, having a, a rather famous conversation here with the Pharisee Nicodemus, if you, you know, back up and read the context here. And Nicodemus, is, he's curious about Jesus. And I believe uh, John is leading us to see that Nicodemus might be a little different than the other Pharisees. He's um, at least genuinely interested in who Jesus is and is willing to go and have this, what seems like a, a private, almost clandestine conversation with him. And so Jesus tells him. Jesus tells him who he is. And, and um, you know, Nicodemus is struggling in this conversation, which is why Jesus is talking about earthly things and heavenly things. But he sums up who he is and why he was sent for what purpose? Uh, a quick side note, as I was um, studying this passage, I, I, um, someone showed me something that uh, I had never really noticed before. Um, and this isn't particularly my thing, but some of you might be interested in this. You know, a lot of people use John 3.16 as a launching place to talk about the gospel of Jesus. And it was interesting to see that you can um, spell out the word gospel by some of the key words in this verse. You know, God, only Son, perish eternal life. I, I don't know. I thought that was interesting that, you know, it's a nice little ac um, acronym you can use to remember um, uh, remember this. That came from, from Rick Warren. I thought that was interesting. But what... Um, is really exciting about this passage is just what is said in such a, a deep way and yet such a simple way. For God so loved the world 
that he gave his one and only son. God so loved the world. God's giving is inspired by love. God's giving is inspired by his love. It's a simple point, and yet it's so profound. It's so easy for us to miss that. That God is, God's giving is not out of obligation. You know, sometimes at Christmas, you might feel like your giving is out of obligation, you know. Well, the cousins are coming over, and the aunts and uncles are coming over, and now we have to get all of them a gift, you know. God's giving, is, it's not out of pity, although there's compassion involved. And it's not because his creation was some kind of failure, so he's trying to cover his tracks. It's out of love that he would give. It's out of love that he would give. And not just give anything, but his son, his only son. And we understand that to mean that God gave of his very self because God is one. God gave of himself. John says it another way um, in his letter, 1 John chapter 4. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Sounds a lot like John 3.16 as well. But we know God by his demonstration of his love. Notice how those words know and love and God are connected, especially in John's writings. God is love, and when we know him, we know his love. And when we know his love, we will love others. That's just how it works by the nature of knowing God. When we truly know God and we know his love, we can't help but love one another. And of course, we do it imperfectly where God does it perfectly. But love is this defining characteristic of God. And his love is boundless. His character produces a demonstration of love that is unrivaled in any other human interaction. We can't love perfectly like God loves. <clears throat> so his love inspires the gift of his son, but his gift has a purpose as well. If we, if we keep looking there in, in John 3.16, he says that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God has given us the gift of Jesus Christ, but he's also given us the gift of a, of a free mind because love, it can't be forced. Love cannot be coerced. The, Paul writes in, in Romans, love must be sincere. And so this gift comes with an opportunity, an opportunity to believe in the person and the message of Jesus Christ. Jesus is in this sense, a gift that, that keeps on giving because not only has he blessed us with his presence on earth, he's given us the way to eternal life or abundant life, as he calls it. 
He perished, he died, he was buried, he rose again so that we might have eternal life. So his, this gift came with a purpose, with a mission, and with an opportunity on our part as well. God loved, so he gave. And so something else I'd like to think about is we, we've looked at how God loved and, and how God gave through Christ. But I want us to also think about what, what did Jesus give as, as God's gift to us? What did Jesus give? And I want us to think about, you know, do we really see Jesus as, as a gift from the Father? Is, is that the mentality we have? Sometimes perhaps we feel like it's more of an obligation. Maybe, um, you know, we feel bogged down by all these rules or all these things we have to do. It feels more like an obligation. Maybe we see Jesus as the type of gift that constantly reminds us we're not good enough. And I don't think at all these were, this was, these were the kind of intentions that God have, had when he gave. Because that's not how God sees us. We, um, we've been given this great gift, and that, that not only demonstrates the all-surpassing value of Jesus, God's only Son, but it demonstrates our value in God's eyes as well. We are worthy to receive His greatest gift. He calls us worthy, and it was given out of love. Uh, John continues uh, again in 1 John chapter 4, if you continue reading. <clears throat> this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. He reminds us that again. But, but notice what John is saying here. God didn't wait for our love. He made the first move. He didn't wait for us to earn His. He didn't wait for us to be worthy or for us to feel worthy. He sent His Son as a gift, the only gift that can truly bring us from death to life because of His love for us. And God's hope for us is that his act of love would outpour from our lives into the lives of others. He sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. When we may not have been worthy, God found us worthy. And since God so loved us, we should love one another. His love inspired this gift and this love should inspire our love to one another as well. So if God gave Jesus his son, what is what has Jesus given to us? Again, there's many things in scripture that you can see, and I, I only wrote down a few of them here. But specifically when it talks about giving, Jesus gave. He gave us the right to be called his children, through Christ, we outsiders have the right to be called 
God's children. He gave us peace, something that I think we often take for granted and maybe don't access as much as we should. This seems to be one of the most stressful times of the year, probably because we're so busy worrying about which presents to give each other. But he gives us peace. He said he's given us his body when he met with his disciples on that night that he was betrayed. He said, this is my body given for you. Something we're going to celebrate here in a moment as well together. And this was interesting, but I noticed several times where the New Testament authors specifically mentioned that Jesus gave himself, not just his body or his presence, but himself. He gave himself. And isn't that the greatest gift? That Jesus gave us himself. So Jesus is this multifaceted gift. Not only are we given the very presence of God, Emmanuel, but we are given salvation and grace and peace and an an example by which to walk. And most of all, Jesus gave us himself. And so, the question for us to consider this morning, well, really, two questions, is have you received this gift? Have you received this gift? Perhaps you've witnessed on Christmas morning children opening gifts, the wrapping paper is flying, there's joy in their eyes, And once the unwrapping is finished, the children dart off to go and play with one of their toys. And meanwhile, some of the toys are left under the carnage of torn paper and scattered bows. Um, I don't, I mean, just a quick example. I I think we have 37,000 toys in our house for Hannah at this point. They just keep coming. I don't know. I hope we're not buying all of them, but... um, She goes through these phases where, man, this toy, it's like the answer to all problems in life is this toy. And then next week, it's like she could care less. This toy's garbage. Why would you ever bring that into my presence? You know? And I think sometimes we have this kind of relationship with the gift of Jesus. There are times when, wow, thank you for this gift. And other times, no, thank you, I can do this on my own. Or I don't necessarily need that. Or... I don't see the value. A gift given but not always enjoyed. Imagine it's Christmas morning and there's a present under the tree with your name on it and you unwrap it and behold it and you're filled with joy because it's exactly what you wanted and needed. It's a gift of love. Isn't that, isn't that gift something you would want to enjoy and to behold and to be filled with joy as you love and experience it day after day. Jesus is that gift of love. He's a gift given, but sadly, he's not enjoyed by all. And so, I ask that question this morning. Have you received this gift? Because this is a two-way relationship. A gift is given, but it has to be received as well. Another question I want you to think about is, How is the gift of Jesus enjoyed in your life right now? Can you think of real, tangible ways that Jesus' presence 
and his work and ministry is a gift in your life and in your family's life right now. I want you to consider that. You know, do you know him? Do you know his love? <clears throat> Jesus gives to us freely, but his love, it's not without expectation. It requires belief. It requires obedience. It requires us to follow him and to die to ourselves so that he might take us and raise us to new life. So we sitting here as a body, we cannot save any one person, but we can help show you and each other the way to Jesus through teaching, through baptism, through walking together in his way. And if that's something that you're interested in this morning, we want to come alongside you. We want to talk with you about how Jesus is the greatest gift of all. I'll be in the back here in a moment if you feel the need to talk about that. If you're in need of other things like prayer or support or encouragement, again, this is part of the reason why we gather together to encourage one another. Um, we, all, Like I said, I'll be in the back if you need a time of prayer. Our el some of our elders are here. There's some ladies who would pray with you if you're more comfortable with that as well. But let's remember this time of year especially that Jesus is this greatest gift of love and how can we embody that love to one another and to the world as well. Let's stand as we sing together.